There is power in the name of Jesus, power in his blood. You know, I pray today as we get into the sermon um, that all of us trust in the name that is above every name. Um, this morning, we're going to be talking about what it means uh, to be the church, what it means to be a part of our church. All right, this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to be um, going through a few different things um, for a lot of reasons. One, we're in a new season. We are building a facility. We're going to start raising some money for that facility. Um, but also, right now, if you didn't know, about 99% of the people that join us on Sundays are not actually members of our church. And the reason for that is not on purpose. We're not trying to keep anybody from anything. Uh, but we've had a lot of change in the last six months to a year. So much change. Uh, so one of the things we're going to be doing this week and next week is just teaching and preaching through, one, who we are, what we believe, what we're about, what's our vision, where are we going, as well as giving everyone an opportunity at the end of each service to join. So our prayer is this Sunday, our membership role might go from about nine to, you know, seven or eight hundred. That'd be a lot of fun if that could happen. So if it's on your heart, just so you know, in a little while at the end of service, we're going to have opportunities for that. We have little inserts in the bulletin, information on the website. We're going to walk everybody through that. But before we gave that, uh, just mass invitation, we wanted to kind of make sure everybody was on the same page as a church, that, hey, who, this is who we are, this is what we're about, and just share some of our heart, all right? So this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to be sharing that. What are we about as a church, gathering our community to make Jesus known, y'all? That's why we exist and what, what our goal is, our mission statement, our vision, this gathering of our community to make Jesus known. I'm going to read this passage of scripture in Matthew 16, if you've got a Bible, I invite you to open up with me, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20, all right? It's a phenomenal story about Jesus and a conversation he has with some of his friends, especially Peter. Now, at the end of that, we're just going to kind of break it down and go through a few things the Lord's laid on our heart and just to share with our church about, all right, what do we do as the body, right? The body of Christ that is called to go out and be, man, the church um, together. So if you got your Bible in Matthew chapter 16, let's read verses 13 to 20, um, then we'll have a conversation, all right? It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. It's crazy how Jesus is always having conversations with his disciples and teaching them these massive ideas and concepts. And at the end, he says, now don't tell anybody about this yet, because he knew what was coming for him in the next few years, and he knew that his disciples would be challenged with taking this message to all the world, which eventually leads us to where we are today. Why do we, it's the church, Exists. Why do we as a body of believers in Morgan County? Well, let's ask this fun question just to break the ice. Who in here was born in Morgan County, Georgia? We're about to have some judgment in the room. It's okay. Like, we're going to figure this out. Anyone that was born, like your birth certificate says, Morgan County, Madison, Georgia. Would you raise your hand for a second? 
Oh, wow. All right. Here comes the danger. Y'all close your eyes. The seven of you close your eyes. Who was not born in Morgan County? Anybody? Oh, my goodness. That's why, that's why Walmart's busier than it used to be. You know, like it's, they just keep coming, right? For those that were born here, like I met a neighbor the other day that lives on Seven Island Road and he works for the funeral home part-time. He's a farmer. Probably all know him. Just a great guy. He was like, man, I remember like my dogs used to sleep in the road because there were never any cars. It was just warm. My dogs would go out there and lay. And now I was like, did we, we didn't hit your dog. You know, you're like, were we, we didn't hit his dog. But you know that as things grow, as things change, as new people move in, for those that were born here, Man, you've been here for a while, and I'm thankful that God's let us have a chance to have church together every Sunday, even though most of us weren't born here. Isn't it crazy that for a lot of folks that moved to Morgan County, one of the first things we tend to usually say is, man, I love it here. I hope, hope nobody else moves here, right? Isn't that kind of weird? Like you see new houses going up, like those stinking people from everywhere else. And meanwhile, we lived there just a few years ago, right? As people move and change and things grow, y'all, we truly believe that the sovereignty of God is moving in a way to always prepare things, not just for today, but for five, 10, 15 years down the road, even for the next generation. 10 or 12 years ago, Matt and Leslie Watkins were driving every Sunday down to a church on Harmony Road, about 40 minutes away. And they began to tell Rob Rayner and Kevin Magnus and some other people down there, hey, we love what's happening here. Is there any way we could bring something like that to Madison? So for a couple of years, Rob and Kevin would get in the car and they drive around and they look at properties and all these kind of things. And lo and behold, I had a conversation one day at the classiest establishment in Newton County called Staldi's. I mean, for real though, I, I kind of like it. I like it. So me and Rob used to meet at Staldi's and we would meet there. And one son, one day, as I was leaving the house, my wife said, Danny, where, where is this going? Like, I mean, where do you see us going in the next year or so? I said, Shani, I really pray the Lord's going to call us into Madison. I really feel like this is where we need to be. So we prayed that morning before I left to meet Rob. And that Sunday, Rob said, or that it was like a Tuesday, he said, hey, um, we've been praying about it with Matt and Leslie and a few other folks in our church that you don't know yet. Um, we really want to help start a church in Madison. Would you and your family be willing to come out to help us start some of that? Right? So we did. It was amazing to see. God did all those things before some of us, y'all, before a lot of us even lived here. Right? Why do we exist as a church, as a local body of believers? We are commissioning ourselves, we're commissioned by the Lord to go out and make disciples of all nations. And our goal is to gather our community to make Jesus known. What are we about in this place? Y'all, it starts for me and my family and our church with glorifying the Lord. The number one thing I believe God has called all of us to do in this Sunday as I'm sharing with you is to glorify him for who he is and for what he has done, to be people that choose to glorify, to praise God. Who Jesus is and what God has done means everything to the foundation of this church. Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi, a city that had just received a new name from Peneus to Caesarea Philippi by Philip the Tetrarch. Guess where he got the name from, right? His name's Philip the Tetrarch, and he made a city that already had a name and named it after himself. Why did the Roman emperors do those types of things? Because they wanted some glory, right? They wanted to make sure that people knew who they were. Another sidebar. Yesterday, I got the chance to attend the Bostwick Cotton Gin Festival for the first time in my life, all right? Follow-up question, where are the Bostwick people at in this room right now? Any Bostwick folks? 
well played, you know? Like, they, people always told me how many people came. I didn't fully understand it until I partnered Cornfield with 10,000 other people. Like, it was the craziest absolute thing I have ever seen. Do you know what the mayor of Boswick's name is? I saw it on a sign. John Bostwick. I, I don't know John. I'm sure he's a great man. I'm not endorsing anybody. I think he's been there a while, right? Just a feeling. When it comes to towns in the scripture, I'm not saying the Bostwick family did that one, but it comes down to here, Jesus in Caesarea Philippi that just had a name change to honor the emperor, Philip the Tetrarch. And yet Jesus is saying to his friends in a city that had just received a new name to give honor and praise to a governor of a political system, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Who's the recipient of that? He's saying, who do people say that he is, right? Jesus is making himself in those conversations like the main point. He's making himself the main thing. He's not asking his friends, who do people say Philip the Tetrarch is here? Because he's already got a town named after him. He's saying, who do people say that I am? And the disciples begin to answer. A lot of people don't know who you are. He's preparing them, y'all, to go into all the world to tell everyone that they meet about one name. And it was his name. He was challenging his followers to live in such a way that they would desire to make his name known more than they would desire to make their own names known. There's a pastor in New York City that passed away this last year. His name's Timothy Keller. Phenomenal man. If you're just looking for a good sermon, good shorts and sermons, it's just phenomenal. In the last sermon he preached to his church, and he moved to New York City as just a younger guy, and his church exploded after 9-11, like five or 6,000 people in one of the most unreached cities in the country. Lord's calling. And when he got there, he planted the church and the Lord began to bless it. And he stayed focused on the main thing, which was not creating a name for himself. It was promoting the name of Christ. And in his last sermon, before he walked away from the church, because he'd been diagnosed with cancer, before he was going to pass away, he continued to quote from Chronicles over and over again. Seekest out great things for thyself, seekest them not. Seekest out great things for thyself, seekest them not. In his last sermon to the church that the Lord allowed him to plant, he challenged his congregation to continue to live in such a way to bring glory to the name of the Lord before they brought glory to themselves or anybody else. Make glorifying God your identity, church. Give God glory on the best of days. When the babies are born, when your wife's walking down the aisle, you're about to get married, you know, like when kids are getting baptized, when you're getting a new job, when you're getting a raise, when the economy at some point seems like it's like going strong, like when whoever you voted for is in, whatever makes you happy. On the best of days, give glory to the Lord on those days because he wants to celebrate with those on those days. But he also wants credit for those days. He wants to be glorified for allowing those things to happen. When we get good at that, Y'all think we also begin to work in this idea that he also wants credit on every other day, on the most difficult of days. When we meet with a doctor's appointment or we have another scan or a stress test is postponed or a heart, like we have all these different things that are going on. A child's diagnosed with a sickness. This last week, if you know Fulton and Aaron Pritchett, had the chance to visit with them and the little baby who's so small. Y'all remember what it's like to have like a four-week-old baby? There's RSV right now and children's health care. And I walked down, I sat with Fulton, and he's just doing his thing. The cool hat, and he has this cool, he has the coolest hair 
of anybody I know, and he's just doing it. But he had just walked in there, and he's holding his baby. And we had this conversation about how this, what he is doing, is a picture of who God is and what God wants to do for us. Just pick us up when we can't help ourselves. It's all in the Lord's hands. And we prayed, and we glorified the Lord in the hospital room. Why? Because we're insane? The baby's sick. Of course not. It's because we know that God has called us to glorify him on our most the best of days and the most difficult of days. Why? Because God wants them all. I serve a God who wants the credit on the best and the worst because he wants to take it from me and from all of us because he is big enough to hold it by himself, but he invites us to walk with him. There have been times in my life where I've glorified God on the best of days, glorified him on the worst of days. Sometimes I've tried to take credit for myself. Other times I try to say, Lord, where'd you go? He's big enough for all of those questions. But what I found is when I choose to glorify God and make that my identity, I have less temptation to glorify myself or anyone else we serve a God who doesn't play for second place he wants first what does that mean for our church we commit to glorifying the Lord above everything else in this place we have very talented musicians we have a semi-talented preacher we have very talented children's workers we have very talented parking lot people this is tough okay you want I believe this with all of my heart any of those people including myself could go away tomorrow and God's church would continue to thrive and flourish if the people keep the main thing the main thing. It's not about me or you as an individual. It's about lifting up the name of Christ as the brothers and sisters in the Lord. We must make that a priority in our church. Peter was getting ready just 10 or 12 years from this conversation with Jesus to being crucified upside down. Where's the health and wealth and prosperity gospel in that? What? Peter went out and did what Jesus told him to do. Peter believed this stuff, y'all. And he said, God, I'll glorify you for the rest of my life. In the beautiful story, Peter sharing the gospel, planting churches. Every, he should be getting a Lifeway book deal. That's what every other cool preacher does, right? Like, it's just booming. God's blessing. No. He ends up in prison. And they take him out of the prison cell and they say, we're about to crucify you like your savior because you talk about him all the time. And you know what Peter said? Please don't, not please don't crucify me. He said, please don't crucify me like him because I'm not worthy to die like Jesus died. What did that conversation sound like? I don't know, but to me it went something like, turn the cross upside down. I just can't go out like Jesus did. So they did. Why, y'all? Because he knew that the one he was living for wasn't himself. It was the one who had saved him and commissioned him and challenged him. You want a church that thrives? Glorify the Lord. You want a church that's on fire for God? Continue to make the Lord the main thing. Continue to make the resurrected cross. Keep the cross of Christ the main thing. We also believe here that God calls us to gather together. We're called to glorify, to be people who glorify the Lord. We're called to gather together. One of our favorite stories in the New Testament is from Luke 14. There's this beautiful story where Jesus says this guy's having a banquet. I'm going to summarize it. You can read it this week. It's phenomenal. He's having a banquet. He's having a party. He says, invite all your friends. And he invited all of his friends. And all of his friends started making excuses as to why they couldn't come. So the servants come to the master of the house. They say, man, people are just bailing out. I don't know what's going on. And the master says, go out and find the people who we didn't think to invite the first time. The crippled, the lame, the ones that are struggling, the ones that don't look like us, act like us, talk like us. And the disciples go out and do that. They invited everybody, the, the odd ones, like everybody. And they came back in three of our favorite words in all of scripture. They come back to the owner of the house and they say, we've done what you've challenged us to do. And yet there's still room. 
there's still room at the table. And you know what the master of the house said? Go out into the highways and the hedges. Find some more. Make them come in here. I want everybody to have a seat at my table, right? Why? Y'all, I believe this with all my heart. If you had good grandparents, I pray you did. And if you didn't, we've got phenomenal grandparents in this room. I would love to introduce you to some of my favorite people in the world. I had phenomenal grandparents. And as far as I know, the happiest my grandparents ever were is when their little bitty kitchen table was full of grandbabies. You know what I mean? And it wasn't ever like filet mignon in our house. It was like spaghetti from a jar. Like we were fancy kind of stuff. And they would have plates this big. And then the portion of spaghetti would be this big, and you're like, how am I supposed to fit this on a paper plate that has the wicker thing and the smoke alarm would go off and you'd have to fan it. I'm getting distracted. What does all that mean? With my grandparents, the happiest they ever were is when they came in the house and saw the house full. What does God use to describe heaven? He describes heaven as being like a wedding banquet. You ever been to a good wedding where two people are really in love and all the family's getting along and there's dancing and there's music and there's joy? That's what God uses to describe heaven. And he says in this story, go out and tell everybody that there's still room at the table. Because I want everybody to know what it's like to walk through the doors of a house and say, I am welcomed and loved and saved in this place. There is still room. Jesus asked his disciples, who do, you, who do people say that I am? They had all kinds of names, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah. We've got to ask ourselves a similar question. Who do people in Morgan County say that Jesus is in our neighborhoods, in our schools, at our places of work? There's a lot of confusion as to who Jesus is in our world, which is why we are committing to gathering our community to make Jesus known. Who is he? What did he do? What is he going to do? Y'all, people will know. We're having conversations with adults, kids too, but adults in our church that are coming to faith in Christ because they've been introduced to him by neighbors in apartment complexes and homes in Morgan County in their 60s. Why? Because they're hearing about who Jesus is. And people are saying, we need you to come and gather with us in a real fancy place in the shopping center. I have a couple of pictures. We might have to cut the sermon in half today because I don't know if I'm going to get through all these. We have a couple of pictures that I found right on my own laptop. This is fun. And I'm just going to walk through a little bit of history of our church. If you don't even recognize this little dude, this is my son, Luke, who is 12 now. When we started the church building, we met in the James Mass Inn. Matt and Leslie were there. A lot of y'all were there. It was a good time. Centinellas, we used to ride the elevator up and down to a little room that we rented out up top because what we used to tell people is a true story. Me and that little dude, who's now 12, would um, get there on Sundays. Why is he vacuuming? We believe in child labor in this church. It's like, Everybody, you got a place to serve, all right? Like, we got to get for real about this. What he is vacuuming that you can't tell because it's a small picture was glitter. Because a sidebar, at the, at the James Madison Inn, a lot of times on Saturday nights, they would have some parties that had glitter and decor and lots of alcohol. So we would, true story, get some of our volunteers to go around and clean it up to turn the building into a church kind of building, right? Make clean it up a little bit. So that's my son there vacuuming there. The next picture here is the first time. This is when the um, Stevens family came to our church. So I think for the first time, um, uh, a young lady by the name of Reba McIntyre was filming a new TV show in Madison. So she rented out that place that we used to vacuum up the glitter. And they came to us and said, hey, we're gonna pay to relocate you guys for a few weeks. Would you mind? I was like, that's fine. How much are you gonna pay us? They paid way more than we needed to operate for a couple weeks. So we set up a tent across the street in the town park, and we set up a tent big enough to hold every person that was going to attend our church on that Sunday morning. Enough chairs to have enough chairs for everybody that may show up, and then a few extra people who may not show up. 
And these chairs were about three quarters of the way full on Sunday. It was also 112 degrees. Like it was one of the worst plans we've ever done, but it really worked out well because we did meet Shanna and I still like her a lot. But we had that. So then you fast forward, right? That's our first church church service. These are just some fun pictures because I, I like to reminisce and I got lost in this for a little while. So this is our first Christmas float that we ever did. That's um, Sydney Stevens there in the middle and the other little young lady used to go to church here and that's my daughter there and that's a real baby. No, it's not a real baby. That's, not, that's just a baby doll in the manger. But that's my daughter Caroline because we came to town and one of the questions people started asking us is where do you go to church? We're like Lake Point. Like where is that? Um, it meets in the... It meets in the James Madison, but then they would say, now who goes to church with you? Because we weren't from here, a lot of us. So we had to get our name out there and let people know, like, this is who we are, this is what we're about. We've got a few kids. This next picture shows, um, that's my youngest. I got all three kids there because I just wanted to represent all of them well. My youngest, Nathaniel, who was born as we've been members of this church and, and helping start all this stuff, wearing a classy plain white tee, because that's just how we roll. When we're doing this, we were at... Shanna's house. Shanna, you remember one day Shanna came to me after church one Sunday and said, I feel like everybody needs to get together a little bit more. Why? We need to gather as a church. We're growing. We don't, I don't know how we're going to get to know everybody. So I said, Shanna, what do you mean? She said, I, I want to have a lunch at my house. I said, for who? She said, the church. I said, who? She said, the whole church. Invite everybody. And the whole church showed up at the Stevens house and we had a cookout. I don't know how many were there, 50 or so, something like that. It was a good time. This next picture, as we keep going, is our church nursery in the old high school that's not even there anymore. Some of y'all were there for these days. My family and I would show up on Saturdays, and we'd bring the church trail that was parked in my backyard, and we made the old lunch tables into walls to separate out a nursery room and a toddler room. The high school let us meet there until they were getting ready to tear it down to build a new one. This next picture is our vacation Bible school that year that was in my backyard, in the fields neighborhood because we didn't have property for church people to meet on like during the week. Like everybody said no. So we invited everybody. We invited neighborhood kids. Like the whole neighborhood just in my backyard hanging out doing a vacation Bible school. This next one here is a picture in the old high school, one of our last worship services. Denver Shelnut's up on stage leading worship. That's my youngest, Nathaniel. And we're in the old high school just making this stuff happen, y'all. We're in a high school auditorium that held like 500 people and we had... I'm on 250. This next picture is the day that Eddie Smith called me. The chairs that you are now sitting in. Eddie Smith called me. He's like, man, I got a deal. I was like, what's the deal, baby? He said, I just got 250 chairs. The only catch is they've got to get going today. I was like, Eddie, I can find a trailer. We went like the Clampets to Eastridge Church loaded these things up. What's the catch? We didn't have a building. We didn't have a storage unit. We got them on the trailer. I was like, Eddie, where are we going to put 250 chairs? He was like, my sister, true story, has a house in College Park that has a big garage. We can go there. So we took these chairs. Eddie did eventually get off the back and got in the truck. And we drove to College Park praying we wouldn't get a ticket for doing quite illegal things on this trailer. And you're sitting in some of those chairs right now. Absolutely crazy. This next picture is the first picture we ever took in this room. We came in and it was an antique store and it had stuff piled up in every direction. None of these walls were here. It was piled up everywhere. And Denver and I came one day after we went back to College Park a year and a half later to retrieve the chairs and bring them here. We set them up in this room. And after we set them up, we prayed, y'all. 
We said, Lord, allow us to be the type of church that continues to glorify you. It's not about me or anybody else. It's about the Lord. We're going to glorify the Lord. And we set these chairs up, and we looked out at 278, and we sat in this room with nothing else for an hour and just said, Lord, allow this to be the type of place that changes the name of the shopping center so that when people talk about the wash rock in the future, they talk about a church before they talk about washing clothes. And guess what's happened, y'all? They're talking about churches here. And we even changed names, and they're still talking about churches here more than they're talking about the laundromat. Why? Because we've committed to gathering together as the body of believers. One of the things the Lord's been showing me this last week is it doesn't matter which stage of life I am, there will be chances to worry and distress and to have anxiety, whether you've got 800 people in a church or 50 people in a church, whether your kid is not born yet or he's standing in an old auditorium watching a worship leader lead songs, right? Whether you've got 10 kids on a church float or 150 kids on a church float, to the Lord, it's all his. And he says crazy things like, gather people together in my name. Why? Because they don't know who he is. Y'all, they don't know him. So many people that we meet this week do not know who Jesus is. It's just not something for foreign missions anymore, although we support foreign missionaries because we need to make his name known over all the world. We have family members that don't know him yet and coworkers and kids at school that don't know him yet. And Jesus says crazy stuff like there's still room. There's still green chairs. There's still folding chairs. Let's reach as many as we can. Why? Because the God we serve cares about the gathering of the believer. The God we serve wants every child of his to know what it's like to feel welcomed home. We want to create a family atmosphere. Regardless of how many people gather at church, we pray that everybody that walks through the doors feels as if they're walking through the door of grandma's house. And I know that's cheesy, but I believe it. I want every person that walks through the doors here to know that they are loved by the creator of the universe. And the creator of the universe knows their name. And he wants us to know their names. So what does that mean for us as a church? It means we've got to be intentional about continuing to give God the glory and continuing to gather and continuing to say, Lord, there's still room. I have three other points, and there's no way. So I've never done this before. I think we're going we're gonna, to, we're, we might stop here. I'm about to do an altar call. Just prepare yourselves. All right, here we go. Um, I want to share four more pictures, and then we're going to pick up next week for the rest of this. And this is where the Lord's leading us. You know, it doesn't make any sense, dude. It's 15 acres of land that's all being bulldozed and developed. Do y'all remember the first picture? It was my son with a vacuum cleaner in a hotel lobby cleaning up glitter from a, dra- from a crazy party. True story, the night before, gospel truth. And the Lord allows this to happen. Why? Because he's getting the glory. You know, because it's still all about him. Because we're still saying, Lord, we'll get some more room. We'll figure some stuff out. We drive over there and pray and like, Lord, this is going to hold a few more people here. This next picture shows a little bit more. The grading's exceptional, by the way. I'm not looking at anyone in the room, but the grading is absolutely exceptional. All right, look into this next picture here. You see, that's the new road that's going to come in. We've got a little parking lot. We're going to have like actual lights in the parking lot with little electrical things. I had that conversation this week, a little place where you can plug stuff in. We've got a parking lot over here. That little middle section there with the one car that's not my car, that's going to be the, few, the current building. Some people said, why are we developing all of, all we're building to 28,000? We have the Lord's allowed us to develop this whole property for future development, not just for what's happening today, but what could happen in five or 10 years so that one day we say, let's just expand out. It's already graded and we're ready to go. This little area down here, Oh, man, there it is. Help me, Lord. I'm going to jump. Like, this area, right, is the area 
that's still a little bit of grass. We've got topsoil. We're considering flattening out, making a soccer field, ball field, just a place for kids to gather. We've got a retention pond and a pond back there. We've got two. We've got pond A and pond B. And I think this is the last, the last picture here. That might be it there. Just an aerial view of what, just, just as a little glimpse of what may be to come. Y'all, I want us to continue to gather in the name of Jesus Christ. I want us as a church to never lose sight of glorifying the Lord above everybody, everything else. And I want us to always remember that what the Lord's allowing us to do, y'all, this doesn't happen everywhere. It's kind of crazy. It's really fun to be a part of. And we're thankful for those that have joined us in the last couple weeks, the last couple months, the last couple years. We're thankful for folks who are choosing to accept Christ as Lord and Savior in this place. For anybody here today that maybe say, man, this is pretty, I've been here for, you know, a while. I do think I'm officially going to rejoin the church. You know, if you're a member of Lake Point, we're kind of starting all things kind of new. So we invite everybody to join us here as we continue to say, Lord, how can we continue to gather and make Jesus known in our community for the next generation? I don't know what we're going to do with the green chairs, but I always joke about it and I probably shouldn't. We're going to have a chair burning. No, we're not. We're not. That's terrible. We're going to take chairs home. i got to stop talking. I'm getting distracted. Here we go. Um, what does it mean for us, y'all? It means that we are in a time where I believe the Lord is allowing us to gather our community to make Jesus known, invite other people into his presence. I really did, and I'll close with this story. I really did have the most wonderful conversation with a friend of mine this last week on a Tuesday in this room. The Lord is delivering her from addiction the Lord is restoring her relationship with her kids. She's finding out about who she is in Christ. She can get baptized next Sunday right here in the 1130 service. Life change. Because a friend invited her to church a few months ago. What happens when we gather to make him known is he makes himself known. And he allows us to be a part of that. Let's pray. Um, Lord, today we give you thanks for who you are, for what you've done. And God, I thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing in our town. Lord, and in this place, I thank you for um, your faithfulness and your willingness to, to meet with us here on this day. Lord, I pray for us this morning as we keep having this conversation Lord, Lord, next week, as we keep talking about who you are. God, I pray today especially that we would all choose to glorify you above everything else in our lives. For those that are currently having some of the best days of their life, Lord, I pray that today they would give you the credit for it and would trust you with it. And Lord, for anyone that's having just a difficult day or a difficult time, God, I pray that on this day they would know that you are their God and you choose to walk with them on the mountaintops and in the valleys. Lord, you are faithful and you are worthy of our praise. You are writing a story that a lot of times, Lord, we can't even explain we trust you. Lord, for those that are gathering as members of our church, Lord, God, I pray that everyone that continues to walk through these doors, whether it's here or in a new facility, would feel as if they're walking into a building that is filled with people who love the Lord and want to love them well. Lord, for anybody today, I pray, God, that would like to officially join Covenant Park Church. Lord, let today, there's QR codes in the bulletin, on the way out the door, on the website, Lord, as we build that membership role so that we can disciple and spiritually care for our church well. Help us, Lord, as we trust in Christ together. 
God, if there's anyone here who does not know you as their Lord and Savior, who has heard about Jesus, but has never actually met him, Lord, I pray that right now, in this very moment, you would introduce yourself to them through the Holy Spirit. Call them into your presence, Lord. May they confess you as Lord and Savior. God, allow them to repent of their sins. Allow them to believe in what Jesus has done by dying on the cross and becoming sin for all of us so that we could have a relationship with you. We thank you, Lord.